Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for the week of August 24th through August the 30th. Uh, this week, we are going to be seeing the perfection of the Mars-Saturn square that we've been dealing with for many weeks now. Um, that's going to perfect on Monday the 24th at 26 degrees of Aries to 26 degrees of Capricorn. On Tuesday, August the 25th, Mercury is going to move into the second decan of Virgo, and we'll talk about the Nine of Pentacles. Uh, we will also see Mercury making a trine to a newly retrograde Uranus uh, at 10 degrees of Virgo and Taurus. Um, on Tuesday, we'll also have the first quarter moon with a two-degree Sagittarius moon to two degrees of a Virgo sun, and then Venus will be making its opposition to a retrograde Jupiter from the sign of Cancer to the sign of Capricorn. Also on Tuesday, we'll talk about the fixed star uh, Zosma, which is part of the constellation Leo. Mercury is going to be making a conjunction with that fixed star, and the sun will be following closely after. Um, on Thursday, the 27th of August, Venus will make a trine to retrograde Neptune. So that'll be a, a nice dreamy aspect uh, that might give us a little bit of a respite. Venus will be conjoining the fixed star Castor at 20 degrees of Cancer that day. And then it'll also be moving into the third decan of Cancer, getting the uh, finishing up its time in Cancer. The last 10 degrees, we'll talk about the Four of Cups. On Saturday, August the 29th, Mercury will be making a trine to retrograde Jupiter at 17 degrees of Virgo to 17 degrees of Capricorn. And then on Sunday, we will see Venus make an opposition, a difficult opposition with retrograde Pluto. Uh, at 22 degrees of Cancer, where it is conjoined, the fixed star Pollux around that area, 22 to 23 degrees of Cancer, and uh, opposing that Capricorn Pluto. We will also have a Mercury-Neptune opposition at 19 degrees of Virgo and Pisces that day as Virgo moves into the final decan of Virgo. Uh, yeah, Mercury is moving really fast these last couple weeks, so uh, we've got to get some of that Mercury-Virgo goodness while we can. All right, so let's take a look at our chart. I'm recording this on Friday, uh, the 21st, kind of the final moments of Leo season here as we transition into Virgo season. Okay, here we go. This is our chart for the week, and we'll talk about the planetary condition. Just before I do that, a little review of last week. We saw some really interesting things in the news connected to the fixed star Alphard. Um, we had two pretty prominent fixed stars last week with uh, Alphard being at 27 degrees of Leo. Mercury and the sun passed over that, those particular degrees. And then we saw uh, some, some action with Regulus at, at zero degrees of Virgo. Um, so what I, a couple of things I saw in the news before we get to the planetary condition report is um, in Russia, one of uh, Putin's most, one of his uh, most prominent political rivals was poisoned uh, on a plane, I guess, drinking some tea or something like that. And that's one of the significations associated with Alfard. And that was when the sun was, was going right across that particular degree. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, I also saw some things in, in social media where, um, especially when Mercury was activated, there was a lot of people getting kind of a, a little bit blustery and maybe lashing out a little bit uh, as, as that degree was activated by Mercury and communication and things like that. 
Um, so it's really interesting to track these, these fixed star uh, conjunctions over time. And that's really what I've been doing is, is tracking um, mostly the conjunctions that I've been looking at the, the seven visible planets and how they've been making these contacts with, with these various fixed stars. And most of the fixed stars that I'm using, if you're wondering, are, are Brady, Bernadette Brady's uh, 50 fixed stars, which are kind of the most um, prominent ones. And the, the, she's done a lot of research about which ones were most astrologically useful. And a lot of those are the brightest fixed stars in certain constellations or ones that are very near the ecliptic. So that's what I'm using with that. If, there, there are plenty more that we could dissect, but it's, I think it's enough of a, a challenge to kind of learn those, those 50. Um, that's, that's quite a bit to, to track. And if you're really interested in this, I've been making some really interesting, um, well, I've been, I've been, I think they're interesting. They're, they're these uh, little um, kind of like flashcards where I've been talking about a planet conjoining a fixed star or a planet going into a new decan and its association with tarot. And you can find these on my Twitter account and my Instagram account, which is at Spencer Michaud. Um, I've also been posting these on my Facebook page, which is Spencer Michaud Astrology. And uh, j just to kind of one more little plug here before we get into the meat of things, um, I am putting together uh, a class that I'm hoping to offer uh, in the weeks and months ahead where we are going to be focusing on uh, fixed stars and um, tracking them together as a class as we, as we see the, uh, the, the fixed stars making conjunctions with certain planets and really doing a deep dive and being able to, to reflect upon our own individual experiences with these. I like doing that in real time. This is something, this is a way that I've been learning astrology is really tracking my own personal transits and, and tracking um, what is going on in the sky and journaling about it. And that's going to be a big part of the class. I think being able to really have an immediate experience of these planets is a great way to learn astrology. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And uh, let me know if that's something you're interested in. And, and I will uh, get some details to you. All right. So the planetary condition for the week. Our sun is going to be starting out in the first decan of Virgo this week, moving from one to eight degrees of Virgo where it has some rulership by face. It is in the, its own face. It'll be in the terms of Mercury from zero to seven degrees and then moving into the terms of Venus from seven to 17 degrees. It is co-present with its host, Mercury in Virgo, and it is also uh, making a trine to Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto in Capricorn. So it is assisting with some of those uh, those necessary contractions and limitations that we're working within, uh, it's helping us pay attention to the details as we, as we move through these, this kind of difficult but necessary um, earthy um, filtering process, I would say, getting us ready for that new start, that new Jupiter-Saturn conjunction that's happening at our winter solstice. Uh, the sun will also be receiving a sextile from Venus in Cancer. And then it will be trining Neptune, or I'm sorry, trining uh, Uranus in Taurus, and making an opposition to Neptune in Pisces. Its host is is Mercury in Virgo, where it is co-present with it right now. So it is it is able to receive all of the resources it needs to do the, the hard work that it needs to do. And and this Sun is very um, concerned with creating awareness or shedding light on or creating vitality around the skills that we are learning 
uh, in our life right now. That first decan um, was associated with the uh, Eight of Pentacles, where we saw an apprentice working very hard on his craft. So this is a great time for reskilling, for um, communicating our, our desires, for uh, getting rid of what isn't serving us anymore, and really uh, focusing on the details of our life. All right, so Saturn will be uh, retrograde still this week in the 20, at 26 Capricorn, which I guess you could call the 27th degree, but it's 26 degrees of Capricorn, conjoining the fixed star Terabellum, which is a fixed star in the constellation Sagittarius. It is in its own domicile and in the terms of Mars from 26 to 30 degrees. It's moving very slowly right now. It's barely moving even half a degree this week. Uh, it will be conjoining or co-present, I'm sorry, it'll be co-present with Jupiter and Pluto in Capricorn. It'll be uh, making an opposition to Venus. Uh, it is making a, an overcoming square to Mars in Aries, uh, trining Uranus and Taurus, sextiling Neptune in Pisces, and then receiving that overcoming trine from Mercury and the Sun in Virgo. It is in its own domicile, which it's one of a few planets that are in their own domiciles this week. So yeah, Saturn's still doing its thing, moving very slow right now, asking us to uh, consolidate um, our resources, to work within limitations. It's bringing, uh, an, I guess I would say, some potential uh, contraction around power structures, around the way that we... Uh, delineate our authority. This decan that Saturn is moving through is called the throne. So we're really kind of composting old power and hierarchy structures, getting ready for a new experience with that as we move into uh, Saturn in Aquarius later in the year. Jupiter is still moving retrograde from 18 to 17 degrees of Capricorn, where it is in its fall. That is a position of, of debility where it is sort of at the bottom of the wheel of fortune. It is, of course, receiving uh, resources from Saturn. Um, and this is kind of this push and pull energy of where uh, Jupiter wants to expand and confirm and help keep us connected to our higher selves through, through gnosis and wisdom. But uh, Saturn is casting darkness upon that. It is, it is sort of uh, Jupiter's trying to, to create through the, a black hole or through a void um, where it is expanding death, contraction, hard work, necessity, all, a nemesis, all of these things where we're trying to, um, oh, I don't know, we're trying to uh, work within limitations. And that's not a fun position for Jupiter. So We'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep working through that as we have an opposition with Venus and Jupiter this week. Uh, Jupiter will be on the terms of Venus from 14 to 22 degrees, conjoining Saturn and Pluto and Capricorn, opposite Venus in Cancer, trining Uranus and Taurus, uh, making an overcoming square to Mars and Aries, trying to slow that Mars down a little bit, sextiling Neptune in Pisces, and then receiving its own overcoming trine from Mercury and the Sun in Virgo. The host of Jupiter this week is a retrograde Saturn in Capricorn, which it is co-present with. 
Mars this week will be moving from 26 to 27 degrees of Aries, where it is in its own domicile. It is in the terms of Saturn from 25 to 30 degrees. So not only is Mars receiving an overcoming square from Saturn in Capricorn, but it is having to play by Saturn's rules. Uh, Saturn is its bound lord right now, or its term ruler. So we may want to move forward. We may want to um, put our energy out there and gain a following, but we're having to work within some of the old hierarchical structures and, and kind of play by the rules of the old guard right now, which could be bringing some frustration. And that's really going to come to a head on Monday um, because we are going to see that aspect perfect. Um, and then eventually Mars is going to be going retrograde or turning retrograde very shortly. And then we're going to have to kind of have another applying aspect with Mars and Saturn uh, and eventually that aspect will perfect when Saturn is direct at the end of the month. So this energy isn't going anywhere for a little while. We're kind of still having to work within that kind of, you know, foot on the, on the brake and the gas at the same time kind of thing. But we've just got to kind of do the best that we can within the, the limited circumstances that we find ourselves within right now. I know this is playing out um, in my own community regarding uh, high school sports where uh, you know, high school football got, got pushed back to the spring, and there's been a lot of questions about uh, the other fall sports, and is it safe? Are they going to let them go ahead or not? And it's still kind of this limbo type of experience. And, and this is still true for some of the school districts about going back to school in person or doing, um, or doing online learning. So a lot of that is playing out in our collective right now where we really need to know uh, some information for moving forward, but we're still having to work within these limitations and people are still kind of second guessing whether things are safe right now to return. All right. So Mars, of course, will be in its own domicile. So it is still a strong Mars, regardless of it receiving that limiting factor from Saturn and uh, Pluto and Jupiter and that overcoming square. Um, it will be making a, um, its own overcoming square to Venus in Cancer. Uh, so there's, we're, we're trying to harmonize some things with Venus and Cancer right now, potentially our, our domestic situation, um, but we may be a little bit impatient. There's some of our, we want to move forward. So there's, I think this could play out with um, feeling some tension between uh, having to take care of our kids at home if they're learning from home and trying to do the work that we need to do from home if we're telecommuting or if we're even needing to go back to work. I have some teacher friends right now that are really uh, kind of in a tough spot because they have to go back to work because they're in a district that has decided to go back in person and they have some small children and they're really dealing with the kind of a, you know, a crisis as far as how they're going to take care of their kids and go back to school and, and teach and the safety concerns that may uh, crop up uh, due to their exposure to a lot of different uh, people and then trying to keep their families safe. So that's one of the manifestations I see with that playing out in real time. All right, Venus itself is going to be moving through the second and third decade of Cancer this week from 16 to 23 degrees of Cancer. Uh, it is going to be conjoining the fixed stars Castor and Pollux, which were the, the, the binary stars in the constellation Gemini, uh, Castor being the one associated with the light and Pollux being associated with the darkness. We'll, we'll explore those themes as we go forward in our daily process, but this is uh, Venus is going to be dealing with um, trying to reconcile dualities right now. 
Caster is the more positive of the two fixed stars, looking on the bright side. It's, it's the storyteller. Um, it was the horseman. Whereas Pollux was a, a fixed star that was the boxer and um, was potentially having to deal with making sacrifices. Uh, remember, one of those fixed stars or, was, or one of those twins was immortal. Pollux was immortal and Castor was the mortal twin. And, and one of them uh, had to give up some part of its immortality so that the other could live after the, after the other was slain in a battle with another set of twins. But we'll break that down in detail as we go forward through our week. Uh, Venus has triplicity rulership in the daytime of the water signs. It will be moving through the terms of Mercury from 13 to 19 degrees, and then moving through the terms of Jupiter from 19 to 26 degrees. It will be uh, going through that, um, that gauntlet of oppositions with Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto, uh, and that is really going to be activated this week because we're going to see the, um, the oppositions to Jupiter and Pluto perfecting exactly throughout our week. So we're going to be uh, bringing up some, some difficult feelings that we're going to have to process and cleanse and, and go through the cathartic period where we are dealing with some, some fear uh, that may be buried really deeply uh, in, our, in, in our relationships and in our domestic and in our um, relationship with the structures of our life. So uh, we'll, we'll figure out how to, to deal with that. Uh, Venus will also be receiving an overcoming square from Mars in Aries. Uh, it will be sextiling uh, Mercury and the Sun. So there is a nice relationship between Mercury and the Sun this week. So we may be able to think fairly clearly um, until, until we get the opposition from Mercury to Neptune. Um, Mer Venus will also be trining Neptune um, and making a sextile to Uranus and Taurus. So there may be some desires to uh, escape this, this week with a Venus-Neptune trine. Um, we may have a, a little bit of an oasis within the difficulty, uh, or we may have some, some difficulty coming to terms with the reality that we're being required to come to, to really face with the opposition to Saturn, Pluto, and Jupiter. All right. The host for Venus this week is the moon, and the moon is waxing from its crescent to its first quarter phase. Mercury this week will be in Virgo, from 7 to 20 degrees of Virgo, where it is in its own domicile and its own exaltation. So a lot of dignity for Virgo this week. It'll conjoin the fixed star Zosma, which is the back of the lion in Leo at 11 degrees of Virgo, and we'll break that down. Zosma has some associations with victimhood and martyrdom uh, or working with the downtrodden. So we'll, we'll break that down as Mercury conjoins that fixed star. Mercury will be on the terms of Venus from 7 to 17 degrees, and then moving on the terms of Jupiter from 17 to 21 degrees. It is co-present uh, with the Sun this week in Virgo, making a trine to Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto in Capricorn, receiving a sextile from Venus in Cancer, and also trining Uranus and Taurus, and then eventually making an opposition to Neptune in Pisces which may confuse, excuse me, some of our detailed analysis that we're trying to work through this week. Uh, Mercury is its own host, and it also has a whole mess of dignity. So this is actually a pretty good week to, to focus on details, to, to make a plan, to weed out any inefficiencies in our systems and in our processes, to have communication that is very practical about how we are trying to bring a vision into being 
um, and really seeing where uh, the flaws in the system are and trying to eliminate them so that we can move forward with our plans. The moon this week is waxing from its crescent to its first quarter phase. It'll start out the week in Scorpio where it is in its fall. Uh, it will then move into that first quarter square when it moves into Sagittarius and it will have some dignity in the second phase of Sagittarius. It is in its exile in the sign of Capricorn, but it does have some triplicity dignity in the nighttime. And then it moves into Aquarius at the end of the week where it is peregrine um, because it doesn't quite reach its um, third face where it has some dignity by Deccan. All right, that is our planetary condition report for the week. Let's move forward to Monday the 24th and start breaking it down. Break it down again. No more sleepy dreaming. No more building up. It is time to receive. I just heard that song as I was cleaning myself up today. That's uh, Tears for Fears. Break it down again. One of my favorite tunes. I really love that song. It was written by a Virgo. Uh, so uh, uh, the lead singer of that band is a Virgo. And, uh, you know, you can definitely feel the, like, uh, the need to, in, in his music, the, um, the desire to weed through the, the dross and to get to the heart of things and to, you know, potentially prepare for the coming darkness. That's a lot of the themes of their, their synth pop from the 80s was kind of uh, this um, excesses of capitalism and, and seeing the impending breakdown of society. And uh, it's one of my favorite bands and they have really great um, melodies, uh, but also really um, heady uh, philosophical themes in their, in their music as well. So a shout out to them. All right, so let's take a look here at Monday the 24th. Uh, the lunar aspects for the day on the 24th. We are going to see the moon making a trine to Venus at 9.51 a.m. from 16 degrees of Scorpio to Cancer. So yeah, we're going to start off our day with this, uh, this can I'm, I'm sorry, the Scorpio moon. Moon's in its fall. This is a little bit of a difficult time for the moon where we're not going to be feeling the moon is at its best. It's a great time to get rid of stuff, just like Tears for Fears is telling us. Break it down again, right? Um, the moon will then sextile Jupiter retrograde at 12.20 p.m. at 18 degrees of Scorpio and Capricorn. It'll make a trine to a retrograde Neptune at 3.47 p.m. at 20 degrees. And then it will sextile Pluto retrograde at 8.35 p.m. at 22 degrees of Scorpio and Capricorn. So we've got mostly trines and sextiles on Monday for our lunar aspects, which is, is somewhat of a relief. But because we're going to be moving within this very difficult um, square between Mars and Saturn, now, again, we've been dealing with this difficult square for quite some time because both these you know, planets, they're not the fastest moving planets in the, in the zodiac. Uh, but here we're seeing the perfection of this. The exact hit will happen at 2.19 p.m. And uh, some of the themes we've been dealing with. First of all, we have to recognize that Saturn is in the overcoming position, which means that it is earlier in the zodiac, okay? And it is exerting its will on Mars right now. 
So even though Mars wants to move forward, Mars wants to um, take action from a very um, individualistic type of position, Mars in the, in the third decade of Aries is trying to gain followers. So this may be where you're trying to mobilize your community to uh, move forward with something that is important to you in your life, that is personally important to you. But we're receiving these limitations in our life from Saturn in Capricorn. And Saturn's really in the, in the, has the upper hand right now. Um, in uh, the book that I really like to reference for aspects, uh, The Archetypal Universe by Ren Butler, he talks about Hephaestus and Thor's hammer, um, kind of this like really hard work, this fiery hard work. That's, it's actually echoed in the um, movement of Mercury to the second decan of Virgo too. They talk about Hephaestus in this particular decan in Austin Coppock's book, 36 Faces. So there's a dual kind of Hephaestus theme there. And Hephaestus was the, the blacksmith in uh, Greek mythology. He was a, a, a very homely god um, who was kind of deformed or crippled. He had like, a, uh, like a, a lame leg or sustained some sort of injury like that. Um, but he created works of great beauty. So there was this duality with him. He also was the consort or married to the, um, the goddess of beauty, uh, Aphrodite. So there is this kind of balance uh, between this hard, dirty, gritty work and creating something beautiful from that hard work, from that pressure. And what a blacksmith does is he pounds things into submission and creates beauty through heat, pressure, and through effort. And it isn't always pretty when it's happening. It's loud, it's dirty, it's hot. But through that uh, pressure consolidation and through that energy, we are creating these great works. And that's really what we're seeing here, I think, with Saturn and Mars, but also Mercury moving into the second decade of Virgo, is we're going to be asked to do some hard, dirty work that eventually will lead to something of beauty. Um, so again, we may be experiencing some anger about having to work within a system that feels potentially oppressive, that feels limiting, that feels oppressive. Uh, we have some feelings of frustration, but we've got to use that energy. Okay, we, we have to use this and we can't let it completely shut us down. We've got to still move forward with the projects that we're working within, but, but within those limits. And that limit, those limits, you know, in all honesty, is probably still COVID. We still have a, a national or global pandemic that's happening. And it's not business as usual. And, and I, I think that everybody's getting frustrated with the um, not being able to go back to normal, quote unquote. And I feel you on that. And it is difficult. I've been, you know, having some, some frustration with this myself, especially seeing uh, there's some folks that I know that have been, you know, doing a little bit more. Uh, like going on vacation and things like that. And I mentioned this last week because I'm just kind of envious, but um, our family has decided that we are going to, you know, stick to the uh, very strict guidelines with, you know, social distancing and things like that. And I'll admit it, I am a little bit frustrated with that. Um, and I'm a little frustrated with society, uh, maybe not taking it as seriously as my family is. And I know that everyone's got their thresholds as far as what they feel is safe or not. 
Um, but I'll tell you, I just feel that personally. And, and there may be others of you out there that are feeling this as well. Um, and there may be others of you who are used to doing certain things that where the, uh, maybe the government like is saying, well, this is the condition that we are within, living within. And uh, like, like I have some friends that are really involved in high school football and they've been expressing frustration at the system that they're working within. And that, that could be uh, manifesting as well. So I hear you. I feel you. Um, I guess my, my personal thoughts on it is if we all uh, uh, really take this seriously, it'll, I think it'll be over quick, quicker. Um, if we want to get back to these, this kind of more being able to have more freedom, we really have to pay attention to Saturn right now and do what Saturn is asking us, which is social distancing, working within limitations, doing the hard work necessary that isn't fun, but is necessary. Um, a few dates to keep in mind with this. Mars is going to retrograde uh, at 28 degrees of, of Aries on the 9th of September. Saturn will station retrograde at the 29th of September, and then we'll have another square at, the, at that same day, the 29th, at 25 degrees. So uh, my personal opinion is that a lot of these schools are going to go back. Um, maybe some of these other sports are going to start. Potentially some professional sports are going to begin, and, and there's going to be delays. I think that most of the schools that go back in person that aren't putting in very strict guidelines, I think they're going to suffer some consequences. I think they're going to, within a few weeks or a month, potentially go back to, to completely online. I think we're going to have some backtracking as far as some of the progress that, uh, that we've been making in certain states. Um, I know in my state, in particular Michigan, we, we are getting to the point where um, you know, we've been seeing some flattening of the curve. We've been seeing some progression as far as like uh, the numbers and the deaths and the, the things like that of that nature going down. But I think some things are going to erupt again. Uh, we've seen a lot of things in the news with college students returning to campus and, and immediately getting together in groups, very large groups, no masks, lots of alcohol involved, lots of uh, no social distancing. And actions like that, I, I'll, I'll express some frustration with that because, uh, you know, that is the kind of behavior that sets everybody back eventually. And I think that that kind of thing is going to um, very much contribute to uh, another spike. And it's unfortunate that it has to happen like that, but I, I don't think it's really avoidable at this point. So we'll see. I hate to be a, a downer on that, but um, again, uh, it, it is very frustrating to see that to see that kind of uh, stuff happening after many people in the community have been doing their part, and uh, when you have uh, a select few that are going and you know it, I think the thing to think about without going too far into it is it's not just them endangering themselves; they're bringing this stuff back to their communities, they're bringing it to our communities. Um, it, I live in a community with the University of Michigan where um, these people are going to be going into our grocery stores. They're going to be going into our restaurants. They're going to be spreading this throughout uh, the places that we have to go um, to just do basic uh, essential um, shopping. And that really makes me upset. That makes me very upset and very angry that people, uh, young people in particular, and some people that aren't so young are uh, going and going to be making it difficult for the rest of us to just do the bare necessity of our um, daily routines. 
So if you're listening out there and this is resonating with you, I don't know how many minds I'm going to change, but um, you're making it difficult for the rest of us. And I will end my rant there. <laughs> okay. Like here's, this is my Mars Saturn rant. And this is the energy that we're all feeling on some level. And you may be feeling it from the opposite perspective of like, oh, you maybe you don't think it's that serious and that, you know, people are limiting your freedom and things like that. And, you know, there's many ways to feel this energy. All right. So let's move forward with the astrology. I'm fired up today. I mean, this is a, this is a, Sagittarius ascendant that I started this under. <laughs> I got some good sleep last night. I'm just, it's the end of Leo. Um, we may be still feeling that uh, Alfard and, and Regulus kind of uh, conjoining with the sun right now. Um, but yeah. So let's move forward to Tuesday, the 25th. I'll do my best to keep it together. I usually don't get too up in arms about some of these things. I try to remain as neutral as I can, but you know, everybody's been, uh, I think everybody's at their, at their limit. Do you know what I'm saying? I think that everybody has just been indoors too long, like putting up with this. It's, um, I think that this is where we just really have to dig deep into our reserves. If we have any left of, uh, maturity and endurance um, I think we've, we've just got one more really big push that we have to get through to do this together. And um, let's see if we can do it as a team. You know, let's, let's see if we can do it as a collective. All right. On Tuesday, August the 25th, the moon is going to start off in Scorpio and move into Sagittarius at 8.49 a.m. Uh, and then move from its crescent phase through most of the day to the first quarter phase at 1.57 p.m. Now, the, the, uh, the lunar aspects that we have are this, a sextile with Saturn um, from before we move into the Sagittarius moon from 26 degrees Scorpio to 26 cap. Uh, that's going to happen at 2027, I'm sorry, excuse me, 227 a.m. And then we're going to see the moon move into Sagittarius at 849 a.m. Um, and then we are going to have our first quarter moon at 1.57 p.m. A few non-lunar aspects of the day, Mercury is going to be making a trine to Uranus and Venus will be opposing uh, Jupiter. Also, Mercury is going to be moving into the second decan of Virgo and then conjoining the fixed star Zosma. I'll break all of those things down. I want to start out with our first quarter moon though because that's setting the tone for the entire day. So let's move forward to the first quarter place here. All right, so we can see this perfecting, you know, right around the afternoon here, 1 or 2 p.m. And this is a mutable square where we are trying to make some changes in our life. We're trying to make some adjustments. Mutable signs or double-bodied signs are generally uh, representative of the end of a season but we're starting to see a transition from one season to the next. And the sun is in the, the sign of Virgo, where we are transitioning in the Northern Hemisphere from the summer into the fall, preparing for the transition of the dominance of the light to the dominance of the nighttime or the darkness. Uh, Sagittarius is a, is, a, is a point in the zodiac where we are preparing for a transition to a return to the light. So this is something where 
I think that we're going to have a conflict between um, our hope and our dreams and what we want to expand upon and how we are going to work through the necessary um, detailed analysis of you know, figuring out how the, the practical application of that dream is going to play out. This is part of that uh, Leo new moon cycle where we are defending our right to be and shining our personal light. But this is going to take some uh, a balance between the details and the plan. And uh, this first decan was about skill and about really figuring out what skills are necessary to mobilize the plan and the communications that are necessary, the practical support that we need, the resources. And this first decade of Sagittarius is about speed. It is about movement. It is about um, moving towards our chosen goal at a brisk pace. So we may be having experiencing a conflict between wanting to move forward quickly, but also having to take into account our detailed analysis. And that could create some frustration. So I would, I would really advise you to slow down, really pay attention to the details, figure out how the details fit with the larger plan and the larger picture at the beginning of the week. I think it can go both ways. We can get lost in the minutia of what we're trying to create. And sometimes we have to pull out and get a bigger picture and see if we're actually moving towards the target with all of the detailed things that we're doing. Um, and in, in, in the, on the flip side, uh, sometimes if we only have the, the grand scheme in place, we, we may be unrealistic about how the implementation of those details are going to play out. So that's really the conflict that we're seeing at this first quarter phase with the square of those two planets, or luminaries, we could say. Um, at 11.17 a.m., Mercury is going to make a trine to Uranus from the second decan of Virgo. Okay, you can see this playing out right here. Okay, so we may have to do something in a, in a new way. Uh, this is the, the point in the zodiac uh, where Mercury is moving into the second decan. It, it, the face rulers of Mercury in the second decan of Virgo are Venus and Saturn, which are, remember we talked about Hephaestus, which was um, the blacksmith, which was trying to create beauty from hard, dirty work. Okay, so this is really what we're working out here is doing the hard, dirty work to create something beautiful and something balanced. Uh, in the tarot, we had the, the nine of, of pentacles where we see a figure who is uh, in a beautiful lush garden with a falcon. All right, so this is like the goddess Venus carrying this falcon of discrimination, this falcon of being able to uh, rid the growing garden or the lush garden of any pests or vermin that may be threatening uh, the abundance that we've worked so hard to craft over the summer um, so that we can make sure that we have a, a proper harvest. So this is eliminating any flaws in the system, anything that could threaten the plan so that we can prepare for you know, our hard work to pay off with the fruits of our labor. And this is going to be making a trying to a retrograde Uranus and Taurus, which is associated with that six of pentacles card where we see uh, distribution of our resources um, to people in need. So this is a great time to really think about how your systems are, 
um, working within the new set of resources that you're being expected to play out, the new way of using your resources. And there's harmony between these two things right now. So this is a good time to have a conversation about uh, how you're going to distribute those resources. It's a good time to have a budget discussion, I would say, with, with Mercury and Virgo trining uh, Uranus and Taurus or, or how your uh, resources or your, I don't know if you have, you have a stock portfolio or something like that or, or wherever your, your money's coming from. Um, I don't have a stock portfolio, but if, if you do, like this may be a good time to reevaluate what you're doing with your, with your money right now. Um, okay, so the other aspect that we have that is playing out is an opposition between Venus and Jupiter. Now, this plays into our story of the day. It's a little, little crooked line there. Um, where we are going to be asked to temper, I would say, some of our enthusiasm when it comes to growth within our relationships or how we receive abundance. The second decan of Cancer is about protecting or nurturing something uh, away from society in a domestic kind of situation. Like we may have a project that we're working on where we're really trying to grow it into fruition um, and we are trying to open ourselves up to the, the necessary help that we need, but it's running headlong into this, uh, this fall in Jupiter where um, it's associated with the three of pentacles where we see a, a number of figures discussing an ornate plan. Now, the problem with Jupiter in Capricorn is we may try to do too much. And some of our, we may fall into the trap of hubris and overextending ourselves when we have a certain plan that we're trying to bring to fruition. And we're going to feel the tension of this where we may be trying to nurture something behind closed doors, but something comes into play that, that makes us feel a little bit overly ambitious, or we may feel like uh, there's just a, uh, you know, too much coming all at once, and we'll feel that tension with that. Um, so keep your eyes peeled with that. Um, maybe try to, I guess the, the advice I have with that is you don't have to go big necessarily at this time. This isn't the year to go big or go home. This is the year to, uh, you could still start some things, but you have to start them from a modest, limited position. Again, success does not always follow an all-or-nothing narrative. I have found that some of my greatest successes have, have come from consistently doing the work in front of me every single day. Uh, and consistency is the key. And maybe it's starting from a more humble position. But if you are able to become more consistent with your daily practices, that is going to add up to big things over time. And I can't emphasize that enough. A lot of the times we really sabotage ourselves by overthinking things and trying to do too much. I would say try, right now, especially with this Virgo energy, try to do the little things well. Try to get into, try to create some new habits that are going to be able to become a part of you as we move forward through the year. This is a great time for new habits, 
for new ways of doing things. I mean, we've been effectively removed from all of our old routines and habits and all of our old organizations that we are part of. A lot of us have lost our jobs and are trying to reinvent ourselves. And the way to uh, rebirth, a, a, you know, we don't just emerge from the cocoon all at once. We've got to struggle a little bit. We've got to emerge over time. And once we do emerge, we have to allow that vulnerability to uh, harden into something sustainable. Because, you know, when a butterfly emerges from the cocoon, it's, it's wet, it's mushy, it's vulnerable. It has to dry itself out. It has to allow that new form to solidify. And that's really the phase that we're coming into here is, is you know, gently emerging from the cocoon and getting used to this new persona that we're trying to put on in this Leo moon cycle. All right. So, yes, Mercury is helping with this, with being in that, in that second decan on Tuesday. It is in its own domicile still. Uh, book T calls this decan material gain. Uh, that is echoed in the Book of Toth, which just, just calls it gain. Austin Coppett calls it the hammer and the anvil and talks a lot about Hephaestus and the hard work that goes into that particular um, experience of this area of the Zodiac. Um, it does have the fixed star Zosma associated with it. We'll break that down in a second. One of the things I liked about uh, my research with um, Austin Coppett's book that I draw upon heavily, I want to give him a shout out again and continue to, to um, you know, acknowledge the sources that I, that I draw upon with this work. Um, I would not be able to do this work without uh, a lot of the heavy lifting that he did and, and a lot of the heavy lifting that people like Bernadette Brady did with Fixed Stars. She's another one that I've been leaning on quite heavily for this information. So I want to shout out those two people in particular. Um, he talks a lot about spirit encapsulating it or enclosing itself in a body. Ideas that are taking form. And I thought that was a really great image here because we, we've, we really got a seed of inspiration at this new moon and in, in Leo with that period of gnosis, with that Mercury Kazemi moment, we really figured out something that we wanted on a personal level, a sense of identity that we're trying to build. And now with Virgo season, now with the sun and Mercury moving through Virgo, we have to figure out how is that going to manifest on this material plane. And Mercury is going to be assisting with that. Again, we have that falcon that is eliminating anything that isn't going to serve this new identity. The word that I like with this is vigilance. Okay, so we have to really pay attention to whether we are getting lost in distraction, whether we are um, maybe going down a path that isn't necessarily good for us if we want to stay true to our vision. Um, we are trying to define what type of body we want to uh, pour all of this spiritual gnosis or knowing or realizations into. Okay, so we're going to get some feedback on this too. Uh, we're going to get feedback by our environment. We're going to get feedback by the people in our uh, communities. We're going to get feedback in our relationships, especially. Uh, a lot of times when we're trying to put on a new uh, mask or a new persona or a new identity, that can make the people around us a little bit uncomfortable because they have a certain category that they've put us into. And uh, we may be challenging 
their own sense of self and their own sense of relationship to us as we try on these new personas and as we emerge from our own collective cocoons. And that can be really uncomfortable and that can, that can uh, necessitate some really deep conversations because um, if you are coming to terms with a new way of being, other people have to adjust to that. Um, and I guess my advice on that level is patience. Communication is key. Uh, trying to have empathy for the other people and state your case as to who you are and what you want, but also give people some time to adjust and don't expect them to kind of, you know, overnight completely accept every single piece of this new being. Sometimes you got to give people time to adjust. And that may be painful at first, but if we have patience with one another and allow ourselves some space to come to terms with these new ways of relating, I think that's going to um, make it a lot, uh, we're going to find ourselves in greater harmony if that is the way that we approach this change. Okay. Um, let me get rid of this for a second here on the screen. I wanted to talk a little bit about the fixed star Zosma before we move on. And this is going to happen at about 11 degrees of Virgo. So Mercury will be making a conjunction here. And I'm going to show you on my star chart what we're looking at. Now, this is on the 25th. So I move my chart forward. And we can see here that the sun is moving through the constellation of Leo, but the tropical sign of Virgo. Remember, that's because of our uh, procession that we were dealing with. We just got done with Alfard, which is the head of the Hydra here, or the heart of the serpent, I guess you could call it. There's Alfard. This is projected ecliptical degree. That's what we're using. We just got done with some conjun conjunctions with Regulus, which is the heart of the lion and our inner, uh, our inner royalty. Hopefully we've avoided the pitfall of taking revenge if we felt like our pride was injured or if there was something said about us that we didn't appreciate. We don't want to take revenge. That's the, that can lead to a humbling or a downfall, um, as does uh, any uh, royal fixed star of Persia has this particular um, possibility of leading to a humbling through some particular nemesis. Now, what we're looking at here is Mercury. So here's Mercury. And it's going to be conjoining with Zosma on the back of the lion, on the back of Leo. And this particular fixed star was called uh, the Wounded Healer. I know we talk about Chiron as the Wounded Healer, but this fixed star seems to have some, some associations that are somewhat similar to that asteroid. I don't, I don't really explore asteroids all that much in my practice. I've kind of gone in the fixed star direction. Um, if I want, you know, if I start adding asteroids into it, which who knows, maybe I will, uh, we'll be here for like days on end. <laughs> so I have to draw the line somewhere, I guess. Um, but this fixed star, the back of the lion had some, uh, some associations with victimhood, martyrdom, um, working within, uh, this kind of, uh, uh, these, these constraints of, working with people who have um, maybe been downtrodden, uh, with people that have, are on the down and out. And this is some hard work. Like It's like social work, caregiving. It's things behind the scenes that you are doing that you may not get a lot of credit for. This is a, a Virgo complaint. They work really hard behind the scenes. They don't always get the credit, but they're doing it from a very humble perspective. This is kind of the reaction 
to some of the pride uh, that we may have been experiencing in Leo is now we're being required to just do the work for the sake of the work and for the sake of the the purity of it. This this is the um, some of the Virgo types of energy that we're working through. Remember, Virgo was the Virgin, and there's this kind of uh, aspiration to purity. Um, so it's not necessarily about exalting the self; it's about uh, an ideal. Okay. Um, so with Zosma. It, it's it's important with Mercury conjoining this fixed star that you don't start to think of yourself as a victim, or if you do, maybe mourn your losses, uh, but then get back to work. Um, and this is a time where you may have to be in service of people that are that are suffering, and that you can I think you can do some good work with this. I just recently worked with a particular client that had a sun position close to Zosma and they did some some really interesting work with um, with animals that were suffering and I thought that was a really really great expression of this energy was working with injured animals and doing some hard work behind the scenes and and that was a really great way to use that particular energy without getting lost in a kind of a uh, an energy where you're feeling sorry for yourself you're you're using that to to help others and uh, that's something that we may be um, asked to do as a collective this week with Mercury conjoined the fixed star Zosma at 11 degrees Virgo. All right, let's go back to our chart. Let's talk about Wednesday. So on Wednesday, August the 26th, I'm going to move my chart back a little bit so the sun's closer to the ascendant here. There we go. On Wednesday the 26th, it's a little bit of a quieter day uh, than we had on Tuesday. Tuesday, there's a lot happening on Tuesday. There's, that's just going to be a busy day with a lot of shifts, a lot of changes. It's the day of Mars. And Wednesday, we may get, uh, we, we're dealing with the fallout of that. Uh, the moon is going to be still in Sagittarius. We're going to be working through our first quarter phase. Um, as we can see, we're starting out in the second decan of Sagittarius with our moon, um, where we're maybe trying to really, uh, you know, work with the combination of our, our will and our body and mobilizing those two things. Uh, the moon will be making a square to Mercury at 5.46 a.m. at 12 degrees of Sagittarius and 12 degrees of Virgo. It will then square Neptune at 19 Sag and 19 Pisces at 7.42 p.m. So we've got, we're kind of getting stuck in this, this mutable T-square on Wednesday with Mercury, the moon, and Neptune. All right. So Mercury is going to be kind of like going, <laughs> this is almost like a transference of light, I will say, where we're making the square with the Mercury dealing with all the details. Okay. And then it is transferring over to the vision with, Mer with Mercury, I'm sorry, with the moon squaring Neptune. So it's like, how are we, how are the details fitting within the grander vision that we're trying to enact? This may also be where you're starting to run out of steam, um, where you're thinking so much and you're trying to organize so much that the moon is like making contact now with a planet that uh, asks us sometimes to rest, to take a break. I know that uh, in this past week, um, when the moon was opposing Neptune, this, I think it was yesterday, I just completely ran out of gas. Like I'd been working really, really hard, making a lot of posts, doing a lot of notes, designing classes, and I just hit the brick wall 
of or the I just hit the ocean of Neptune where I just wasn't very productive at all and I just had to take a break and uh watch some basketball <laughs> like just not think just turn my brain off so I anticipate that we may feel that next Wednesday again where we're transitioning from dealing with all these details at the beginning of the week and then you know maybe having to rest in the afternoon and 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 wanting to turn our brains off a little bit okay all right so let's move forward because that's really that's all we're dealing with we don't have any other aspects besides those two lunar aspects on Wednesday so if we move forward here to Thursday the 27th on Thursday August the 27th the moon will start out in the third decan of Sagittarius I believe it has some rulership there or maybe it's in the second decan let me see here nope the uh, the 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 rulership happens by face in the second decan of Sagittarius on Wednesday. Um, but we are moving from a Sagittarius moon to a Capricorn moon where it's in its exile. Um, at 1.36 p.m., continuing the first quarter phase, the moon will become start to become co-present with Jupiter, Pluto, and Saturn. So this may be where we're, we're really, really dealing with the limitations and, and uh, coming to terms with some of the corruption within the systems that we're dealing with. Now, the moon does have some triplicity uh, support, and you can think of triplicity as like communal wind in the sails, where you may have your uh, somebody kind of cheering you on. So there is some ability to bring some things into manifestation with some support. Uh, triplicity was related to Jupiter, so think about it as a Jupiter kind of support that's happening. All right, so we're going to see the moon trine. Uh, Mars, before it moves out of Sagittarius at 7.59 a.m., it's going to trine at 26 degrees. Then it moves into Capricorn. And then it will make a trine with the sun at 5 degrees of Virgo at 11.08 p.m., very late in the day. So we are going to have some kind of uh, harmony between the lights, even though we're going to have some contact with some difficult planets. Um, we still be, might be able to get some practical work done uh, on Thursday. Now, I say that, but then we do have a, 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 a non-lunar aspect that may lead to some desires to take a break. So if you're going to get some things done, see if you can get it done at the beginning of the day so that you can have a nice little uh, oasis at the end of the day. Because what we're going to be experiencing at the end of the day is a trine between Venus and Neptune at 19 degrees of Cancer and 19 degrees of Pisces. Now, what kind of things are we going to look at with a Venus-Neptune trine? Well, they're both water signs, so we are. This is a very in, intuitive, um, potentially nonverbal type of aspect. This would be a great time to go take a little break by a, a beach or a lake or a body of water, um, maybe to watch a movie or to to. Uh, have something where you're experiencing a little bit of escapism after you've done some hard work for the day. Uh, this, is, this is about nurturing a dream. This is our ability to visualize growth. We may get lost in some spiritual idealism. Uh, this talks about, uh, Ren Butler talks about sacred love, romantic illusions or transcendence, um, mystical beauty, fantasy. Um, one of the interesting things about this is that Venus will shortly after conjoin the fixed star Castor. 
And Castor was the storyteller, okay? Castor was the, the twin that was looking on the bright side. So this may be a point in time where we're really looking on the bright side of things, able to tell our story or do something that's creatively transcendent. This would be a great time to, to draw or to paint or do some writing. Um, any artistic activity will be supported Thursday into Friday here. Now, one of the things that happens after this, uh, this trine, this beautiful trine here, or this escapist oasis type of trine, this pleasant diversion from reality type of trine, is that shortly after it perfects, we're going to see Venus moving into the third decan of Cancer. So that happens around 6.15 p.m., okay? So you can see after this uh, has happened, we have Venus at 20 degrees of Cancer. Um, this is a position. Again, it's conjoined the fixed star, Castor, which is a, a fixed star in the constellation Gemini, and I'll go there in a second. But this is uh, hosted by the moon still, where, where we have a waxing moon. Um, this face is ruled by the moon and Jupiter, so a very fertile, abundant, luxurious Deccan. Uh, it was called luxury in the book of Toth or blended pleasure in book T. Its tarot card is the uh, four of cups where we see a figure that is has three cups of attainment presented already uh, ahead of him, but he's being presented another one by the divine, but he's refusing. So there's some themes about um, excess. Austin Coppock calls this Deccan the overflowing cup where you may um, have an experience of luxury and maybe you've got enough and you have to figure out what to do with the excess. So maybe you have some really good things coming to you and you have to decide um, what you're going to do with that abundance. Maybe you share this wealth with others and you know Venus is going to be heading into an opposition with Pluto so there may be some, some, uh, some corruption uh, so that comes up from the systems within our life that where you're going to have to balance these things out. Um, we just experienced an opposition between uh, Venus and Jupiter. So dealing, working within the limitations that we have. Um, a lot of this Deccan is about um, themes of living versus dying or gain at, and whether it's at someone else's expense. Now, the three fixed stars in this decan are Castor at 20 degrees, Pollux at 23, and Procyon at 26, Cancer. And so let's go to our star chart for a minute to break this down, because uh, this, is, this is going to be, I think the story of Castor and Pollux really plays out these archetypes really well. I'm going to go to Thursday, because Thursday we see Venus. And Venus is going to be conjoined, fixed our caster. Okay, so here is our, our constellation Gemini, all right, which is tropical Cancer. And when we have planets moving through this particular the zodiac, we need to think about the mythology of Castor and Pollux. Now, remember, Castor and Pollux were the twins, uh, one of them was immortal, uh, Pollux was the immortal twin, right here. Castor was the immortal twin. They were uh, a, a boxer, Pollux, and a horseman, respectively. And they had some conflict with another set of twins where Castor, the mortal twin, ended up 
being slain. And this was very sad for Pollux. This was a, a they, you know, they did everything together. They were twins. And um, eventually Pollux had to give up some of his uh, immortality or his time on Mount Olympus uh, and spend some time in the underworld so that, that Castor could live. So we think of Castor as the, the twin associated with the light, with um, maybe, what would I say? Um, optimism. He was the storyteller. Uh, this is a, a position where Venus may be looking on the bright side of our relationships, research, knowledge, light, and dealing with polarities, dealing with the, the, the balance of the light and the dark. Um, Castor and Pollux were called the, the, dis, the Discori. I believe that I'm, I'm saying that, that uh, correctly. D-I-O-S-C-U-R-I. And they were the sons of Zeus. Okay, they were the sons of Zeus. And we're trying to harmonize uh, within our community through story, song, um, through oration, through maybe giving a speech or sharing some wise words. And we may be experiencing some catharsis, which is a, a Venusian signification, uh, through singing and writing. And this really works well with Venus trying Neptune. So you may be uh, getting a real divine catharsis on, on Thursday and throughout Venus's time through the third decan of Cancer. All right. Um, so let's see here. Yeah. The other thing that I would say with Venus in the third decade of Cancer, you may have some really expensive tastes. You may have some luxurious tastes. And I would say it's, it's, I would be very, very careful not to uh, spend beyond your means right now, especially with Venus making an opposition to all of those Capricorn planets, which is asking you to work within limitations. So it's not a good time to spend a ton of money on something. Although there is a small window, I say with Venus, or I'm sorry, with Mercury in, in Virgo to maybe invest in technology. Although be very careful of that opposition uh, with Mercury to Neptune because you may not be getting exactly what you think. Um, but we are that generally times like this could be good for investing, like in a computer or a technology. Just don't spend a million dollars on it. Is what I will say. If you're going to invest in something, make sure you've done your homework, done your research. Um, been efficient with your funds and um, try to, to be a little bit more humble with your, with your output at this point. Okay, let's go back. Let's move forward to Friday, August the 28th. On Friday, August the 28th, move my chart forward. On Friday, August the 28th, the moon will be in Capricorn. Uh, we have a number of, a couple of trines and a conjunction on Friday. Uh, the moon will be trining Uranus at 10 degrees of Capricorn and Taurus at 5.01 a.m. It'll then trine Mercury at 16 degrees Capricorn and then Virgo at 8.04 p.m. And then make a conjunction with Jupiter retrograde at 11.55 p.m. at 17 degrees. Okay, so a fairly... Uh, hopefully a fairly productive day where I think we're just going to be kind of grinding out some hard work. Um, you know, you may have to do things in a new way. You may have to have communicate about what your vision is. Uh, you may have to, to, to communicate, to, to receive some support from the people in your life. Just be very careful with this conjunction of Jupiter that you don't try to do too much. Again, like I talked about with the opposition with Venus and Jupiter earlier in the week, we can get a little bit um, overly ambitious with our plans 
And again, I'll tell you again and reiterate, it's okay to come from a more humbler perspective with something and try to work within the circumstances that you have. That's going to, I think that's going to lead to less error and less, um, uh, chance that you're going to have a fall from grace, which, which can happen with Jupiter in Capricorn, where we're really trying to move forward. We're trying to expand our life, but we end up, you know, kind of throwing the baby out with the bathwater because we tried to do too much too soon. All right, let's move forward. Let me get a drink here. All right. On Saturday, 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 in the park. It was the 29th of August, yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry. I'm a little goofy today. Um, the moon will start off in Capricorn and spend most of the day in Capricorn before moving into Aquarius at 8.37 p.m. We will be finally moving out of that first quarter phase and moving into the waxing gibbous phase where we're trying to refine what we are doing before the unfurling or, or the bloom that happens at the full moon. Now we have a pretty busy day on Saturday uh, aspect-wise. The moon's going to be making a sextile to retrograde Neptune at 1.54 a.m. It is then going to oppose Venus at 4.50 a.m. at 21 degrees. Uh, and then it will make a conjunction with Pluto at 7.12 a.m. So all that happens in our morning. Okay? At 1.18 p.m., the moon will conjoin retrograde Saturn at 26 degrees of Capricorn. And then we'll experience a square from the moon to Mars at 27 degrees of Capricorn and Aries, respectively, at 3.30 p.m. And then, as I said before, the moon will move into Aquarius at 8.37 p.m. So some difficult uh, aspects with Pluto. I'm sorry, with, uh, yeah, with, well, some conjunctions with Pluto and Saturn. So things bubbling up from the deep, uh, having to deal and compost and, and uh, you know, go through that, that period of entropy, potentially. Um, and then that square from Mars where we may be wanting to move forward, but we've got to work through this limitation. Oh my goodness, it's going to activate that, that Mars-Saturn square that we've been dealing with all week. Uh, and then the other aspect we have of the day is Mercury is going to be making a trine to Jupiter at 9.27 a.m. from 17 degrees of Virgo to 17 degrees of Capricorn. So let's take a look at that. So you can see this here. So this is interesting. This is, uh, these are two planets that are very different. Um, one could even say opposite. Uh, we've got Mercury who's very, uh, pays a lot of attention to the details. Mercury is the cosmic lawyer, whereas Jupiter is the cosmic judge and wants to see the big picture and make judgment, wants to confirm things and bring things to a conclusion, whereas Mercury likes to keep things up in the air. It's associated with doubt, with questioning, with uh, flexibility, okay, um, with skepticism, whereas Jupiter is associated with belief and faith, uh, with teaching. Mercury with learning. So we've got some kind of oppositions that are happening, but th these two planets are going to be in harmony uh, on, on Saturday the 29th. And this may be where we're trying to figure out the details of a particular plan. We've got Jupiter in the second decan of Capricorn, where we see, you know, these three figures talking about the plan of an ornate structure. All right. 
And then if we bring in the uh, nine of pentacles, we've got that, that figure, that, that, that um, beautiful figure who is uh, the falconer or the falcon, falconeress, I guess. I don't know if that's a word. But we're really trying to like figure out how to implement the material structures of the bigger, greater plan. And this could be, you could have some really great conversations or communications regarding this. Um, again, be careful not to let your material ambition get in, get in the way of completion. Um, but this is a, an ability to weed out any, inefficiency, in, any inefficiencies in the grander plan or the grander scheme. You can think of this as the lawyer and the judge having a productive sidebar over procedure. So imagine, you know, this is our cosmic courtroom and uh, they're trying to give witness and testimony on the fate of the native and, you, and the, the lawyer has been giving his arguments. The judge is thinking over, you know, his judgment. And then the, these two come together and have this productive conversation that leads to a more efficient courtroom or, or get us, get, getting us closer to a verdict. All right. So that's what we've got for um, Saturday. 29th let's move forward to sunday and finish up our report here thanks for sticking with me i love all of you and i'm happy that you're here with me and i hope that you're getting some benefit from this so on sunday august the 30th moon will be in aquarius in that waxing gibbous phase where we are refining what we are doing for our full flowering uh, we will have the moon squaring Uranus at 4.31 p.m. That's our lunar aspect of the day at 10 degrees of Aquarius and 10 degrees of uh, Taurus. So again, there may be uh, some kind of challenge to how we're doing something systematically and, and needing to do something in a new way. We do have a few uh, non-lunar aspects, non-lunar oppositions on Sunday. So we're, we're going to have to make some compromises on Sunday. Uh, the first thing that happens is Venus is going to make an opposition to Pluto at 22 degrees of Cancer and 22 degrees of Capricorn at 9.30 in the a.m. So we'll feel this opposition perfecting over the weekend. You can see this here. And this is, Venus is going to be conjoining the fixed star Pollux at 22 to 23 degrees of Cancer. So here is what, what I think about this. We had the, the trine Neptune when Venus was on Castor. We may have this beautiful, optimistic vision about what we want to do that's very spiritually inspired or feels like it's transcendent or that we're trying to bring some beautiful spiritual vision into existence. Now we've got this opposition between Venus at 22 degrees, conjoining Pollux with Pluto, which is bringing up all this junk and all this maybe corruption within the system that we have to work within. Now, Venus is going to try to harmonize this through sacrifice. Now, Pollux was the twin in the, in the constellation of Gemini that was the immortal twin that was mourning the loss of his brother okay, uh, after he was slain. He, Pollux is the boxer. So there's, this is associated with fighting, with bobbing and weaving and you know, fighting for what we want and, and, and sacrificing maybe even the body for what we desire. So anytime we have a planet associated with Pollux, 
we may be asked to make a sacrifice of our own resources, which fits really well with the themes of the third decan of cancer. Uh, we may have to make a choice and give something up so that something else can live. So you, when we're getting in touch with our sacred vision that we had with Venus, Trine, Neptune, we can't do everything. And we may have to, if we're going to pursue something that's really important to us, we may have to eliminate some other thing that we just can't possibly do at the same time. Uh, so this may be some of the things that, that come up with this. Deep, issue, deep issues surfacing and a purging of deep emotions too. Anytime we're pursuing a new project, we're, we're inevitably going to come to a point in the road or a fork in the road where we encounter difficulties and, and pushback. And this may be where we're getting in touch with some of the, the challenging emotions about bringing our new identity or our new project into existence. And we're going to have to, to purify that and let those feelings go, let those fears go. This may be where we get in touch with the dark side and learn to love the fear so that we can release it. Um, everybody has doubts and fears when they're moving forward, especially into the unknown. So this will be a good time Sunday to embrace the, the doubt, the darkness, the fear, and maybe have a good cry, have a good like purging of any old stuff that may be holding you back from manifesting. Uh, you know, some of that great artistic expression could take the form of journaling. Uh, and I do a, a brain dump every morning where, you know, I just talk about the events of the previous day, what I ho have hoped for for the day ahead. Sometimes it's just me complaining about things and dumping all the crap out of my head so that I don't carry it with me throughout the day. It might be a great day for that, for that kind of purge. All right. So that's that's Venus opposing Pluto and conjoining the fixed star Pollux at 23 degrees of Cancer. The other opposition that we are going to be working through on this day is Mercury is going to be making an opposition to Neptune. So we've got a few uh, inner visible planets making contact with outer invisible planets. So here we are combining our traditional Hellenistic technique with some more modern type of stuff. We like to be eclectic here. We're not necessarily purists with technique. Okay, I'm not. <laughs> I like to bring in a lot of different things. I'm actually reading a really great book right now that's causing me to um, open my mind back up again after I narrowed it slightly to study Hellenistic astrology. Um, you know, my teacher, Achuta Bhavadas, encouraged us to, to work without the outer planets for a period of time, which is a good exercise. It's a good exercise to really understand that system and then eventually to bring those things back in if you choose to. Um, I, there was a really long um, debate on a, a Facebook group that I'm part of that's a traditional astrology Facebook group. And a lot of people are really getting up in arms about using the outer planets or not. And people are starting to get really didactic and nasty with one another about it, which I totally don't agree with. I, I think that if you're going to have a group that is associated with learning and questioning, um, it creates a really uh, uncomfortable environment, especially for people who are newer to this kind of thing to like, you know, be being nasty to them. And I hope that I hope to never be like that and never be that type of didactic person because 
there's always room to, to grow and to learn and to ask questions. There's no, there is no stupid questions. And if, if you want to bring the outer planets into your practice, um, a book that's really, I think, um, helping me uh, be okay with that is uh, The Moment of Astrology by Jeffrey Cornelius. And one of Jeffrey Cornelius's main arguments in this book is that astrology is divinatory and they, it is oracular which means that these are omens that are speaking to us through some kind of, I don't know, mysterious and divine uh, mechanism. And he talks a lot about in the first two chapters about the failure of measurable science to be able to measure uh, these oracular omens because of their very nature of being omens. And there's some people out there that are probably will disagree with me about the scientific ability to measure astrology. Um, but I think the really cool thing is, is seeing, and this is, I'll, I'll give you my thoughts on how it works without, you know, only being a few chapters into Cornelius's book. Um, he talks a little bit about intuition, ESP, things like that. But it, what I really think it is, is that we are, the universe and the cosmos, I think, speaks to us through various symbolic systems. And I think as human beings, what we become is like radio receivers for those symbols and the word i like to do to use with this is entrainment we come become entrained to different symbolic systems and this is a great example of mercury neptune okay we are our brains mercury our ability to process information is coming into contact with neptune the transcendence the uh, this is so beautiful. I love how this is playing out. And this, Jeffrey Cornelius would be happy with the way this is happening because he uses uh, horary charts and charts that are disconnected from time sometimes to make a point in his book. He had some really great arguments about these um, studies that were trying to uh, be critiques of astrology. And he was using a, basically a random chart in their argument to show the critique of astrology. I thought that was like, wow, that was just really mind bending. And here we're seeing, I'm talking about this particular aspect to describe uh, the nature of how astrology may work. And I think entrainment is like, we're, we're like radio receivers where we are tuning into the frequency of the particular symbolic system. Now I've over my, the course of my life and I've entrained myself to different systems. I've entrained myself to numbers through numerology, animals through studying animal symbolism and animal uh, wisdom. So like I, I see a lot of animals in my daily practice and my daily walks, and I've studied their symbolic um, meaning to the point where if a certain animal will appear to me, I will be able to glean meaning from that and connect it with something in my life. Like last night, I got woken up in the middle of the night and by the smell of like a campfire. And I went to the window and in my backyard was a raccoon playing around in a, in a kiddie pool that our neighbor has <laughs> in the backyard. Um, and so there was some, some symbolism to glean from the raccoon, you know, about maybe uh, the use of masks and mask wearing. A raccoon will wash its food before it, it eats it. So themes having to do with cleanliness, uh, they will provide for the clan before they will eat for themselves. So there's uh, symbolism associated with 
eating or providing for those in your community before taking something for yourself. So, um, so that's one example of a system becoming entrained with. And back to astrology, you know, you can entrain yourself to these visible planets, or you can entrain yourself to these these outer planets, um, or to the fixed stars, or to asteroids if that's your thing. Um, I would say though that the, the and this is an argument my teacher makes with Chutabhava. You got to be consistent. You can't just keep jumping around from system to system. Uh, you have to pick something, I think, and like make it a daily practice. He, and he does this with his horary practices. He has a he uses um, he draws upon this um, horary practitioner named John Frowley, who is a little bit of a maverick within the horary community. Um, and it's how I will admit sometimes it's frustrating to me to have th this tradition of horary and then have Frowley deviate from it. But I'm starting to realize why it, it may work due to Cornelius's approach um, of entrainment. But the point being is that if you use a system, use it all the time, and you will, you will start to allow the divine to speak to you through that particular set of symbols. All right, so that's, that's, that's what I will say as far as my, um, I don't know, some of this Mercury-Neptune opposition. Now, one of the challenges of Mercury Neptune, uh, this could be a time where we're having to deal with details, but we run into a dissolving of uh, preciseness. This, the, these two positions and planets couldn't be any more different. I think that we're trying to separate things into categories, and Neptune and Pisces trying to blend everything together. So we may find ourselves having some confusion over details, some miscommunications or misunderstandings, some wishful thinking, trying to reconcile the vision with its practical application. There could be some mental deception or escapism, some cloudy or muddled thinking, uh, difficulty finding the right words to describe some kind of ineffable truth. Uh, again, that's the beauty of uh, metaphors. This may be where we're really getting in touch with metaphor or symbolic thinking because a lot of times, and this is the thing with, with symbols, we use a symbol because it, it describes the essence of a thing that words may not be able to, to touch upon. And words themselves are symbols. So we, we've, we've gotten away from the idea that words are these symbols, but words are symbolic language too, trying to describe some kind of essence as well. Uh, that's why it's so interesting to hear people in different languages describe something because sometimes you can even feel the essence of a thing that they're describing. Uh, there's certain languages that are much more, um, the way that they describe something uh, is sort of reflective of what the thing is. And you can hear it in the way that they talk. And that's, I think that's pretty cool. Um, this may be a, a time where you're having a wandering imagination too. Now, just like Venus moving into the third decan of Cancer shortly after the opposition, or so, shortly after the trine with Neptune, Mercury is going to move into a new decan shortly after the opposition with Neptune. So it's like we've got these unfinished business and then we we're moving on to something else. Okay, so what's going on here is we are going to be seeing Mercury moving into the third decan of Virgo, because Mercury's moving super fast this week, almost too fast. It's like, come on, Mercury. Let's let's have this beautiful uh, <laughs> this beautiful Virgo placement for a little bit longer. This exalted Virgo domicile placement. So let's break down the third decan of, of Virgo to finish up our our report here. Okay. So this is associated uh, with the ten of Pentacles, 
where we see a, an old man who is uh, sitting in a chair surrounded by family, friends, abundance, luxury, wealth. This, is, this card is called Wealth in Book T in book of, the Book of Toth. Uh, Austin Caput calls it the sarcophagus, which is a little bit of a different vibe. Um, the fixed stars in this Deccan at 21 degrees of Virgo, we see Denebola, um, which is, I believe, still part of the constellation uh, Leo. And then another very prominent fixed star at 23 degrees of Virgo is Alkes. I, I believe I'm saying that right, or Alkes, um, which is part of the Grail Cup constellation. So we'll, we'll break that down next week when we uh, are seeing some conjunctions. But you can see Denebola and, and Alkes, we're going to talk about legacy, I think, with some of those. Like we've got this search for the Holy Grail and, and be able to contain divinity. And this particular Deccan talks about coming to terms with old age, with decay, with entropy, or protecting against it. Um, and we ask ourselves questions with Mercury in this particular Deccan. What do we want to preserve? What do we want to let go of? With the sarcophagus, the sarcophagus is like, uh, it both contains death, but sometimes we, you know, like in, in uh, Egyptian uh, culture, in a tomb, we sometimes the um, people who are um, laid to rest will be laid to rest with important items to lead them through the underworld or into the next life. So what are we going to leave behind? Uh, what do we value? We're coming to the end of a material process and prepping for an, a spiritual awareness or the spiritual judgment that we experience at the entrance of the underworld uh, as we come into Libra season. So what legacy are we going to pass on from what we're doing? So those are the questions that we're going to be leading up to uh, with the end of Virgo cycle as we get ready for that like fall equinox of the return to darkness and the return to the underworld and the return to rest. This is a great time to evaluate what you've been doing over the course of the summer and say, was it productive? What stays and what goes? What do I need to let go of? What do I need to just let pass out of being? And what do I want to preserve for the winter ahead? So that's what's going on with Mercury in the third decan of Virgo. All right, we did it. Let's talk about what the next week ahead is. On Monday, the 31st, Mercury will be conjoined the fixed star Denebola at 21 degrees of Virgo. Uh, we'll still see a continuance of, of Venus's conjunction with Pollux at 23 Cancer on Monday. Uh, on Tuesday, the 1st of September, Mercury will be making a trine to Pluto at 22 degrees of Virgo and Capricorn. That's when we will see our conjunction of Mercury with the fixed star Alkes or Alkes at 23 Virgo. We'll break that down for you next week. On Wednesday, the 2nd of September, we will be experiencing our full moon at 10 degrees of Pisces, opposing the 10 degree of Virgo sun. So some of the themes we talked about in the second decan of Virgo will apply to this full moon. Uh, that same day, Venus will be making an opposition to Saturn retrograde at 25 degrees of Cancer and Capricorn. Venus will be conjoining the fixed star Procyon, which is associated with raccoons. So that's an interesting little side note from uh, the uh, forecast today. Uh, Procyon is associated with fleeting success. Um, the sun will be trining Uranus at 10 degrees of Virgo and 
uh, Taurus on that day, and then it'll be conjoining the fixed star Zosma that we talked about with Mercury conjunction this week. On Thursday the 3rd, Mercury will be trining Saturn retrograde uh, at 25 degrees of Virgo on Capricorn. And then on Friday the 4th, um, Venus will be making a square to Mars in Aries from Cancer. We'll see a sextile from Mercury to Venus. Uh, and then finally on the weekend, on Saturday the 5th, Mercury will move into Libra way too soon. <laughs> and, then, and then on Sunday the 6th, Venus will be moving into Leo. So Venus will finally be out of that uh, meat grinder uh, opposing Capricorn and all of those planets uh, in it. All right, that's what I've got for this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for hanging with me this week and following along. I really appreciate all of you. Uh, and if you are finding value uh, in these forecasts, uh, there are a couple donation links if you want to support the work I do. It's super appreciated when I get a donation. Whatever you can spare, it, it really is helpful. Um, I've got a Venmo or a PayPal me. Um, if, if you can contribute uh, in a non-monetary way, liking the post and sharing it with your friends is always helpful. Hit that subscribe button. Um, and, and your feedback in the comments uh, is, is great too. Uh, letting me know what, what types of things you're learning, how you're experiencing the transits in your own life. Those are always great learning tools for me as well. And keep your eyes peeled in the weeks uh, and months ahead for some classes that I'm going to be offering. Uh, I'm working very hard on putting this together and uh, thinking about what the best way to make that offering. If you have some ideas on some days of the week that would work well for you, I'm thinking about Sunday night or Monday night. Um, I know a lot of people have different opinions on what would work best for them, but uh, I'm still kind of working out some of the details. So there's some, some wiggle room right now if you want to have some input on that. Um, yeah, and, th and that's, I think, what I've got for the week. Um, make sure you're following along on Twitter and Instagram because I've been posting a lot more daily content on that with the Deccans and the Fixed Stars. So I appreciate all of you that are sharing those and, and uh, following along with that as well. So that's what I've got for this week, everyone. Um, I hope that you are doing well and hanging in there and being productive and, and shining your light. And I will see you the next time. Peace.